looking forward to being with you all this week as we have youth camp. And um, I want to give you a thought this morning from 1 Samuel chapter 17. And 1 Samuel chapter 17. And we're going to read a familiar story, probably one that's uh, preached often about, uh, preached often through. And uh, we're going to glean something here and just make a connection for us as we start off this year and we, st- we think about priorities. Uh, this, this morning, it's not, nothing going to be really new to us. It's just a reminder. And perhaps we just think about our year a little bit differently. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 17 and notice verse 22. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And, uh, you know, previous to this, David arrives uh, to the battlefield here because his father bids him to go uh, deliver some things to his brothers who were in the army. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. Um, and verse 23, as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. So you, you can probably imagine just how intimidating Goliath was standing there. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that is come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up? And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And then notice verse 29 in our key text this morning. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And here David, as a a young man, understood something that those who should have known better and those who were in a position to do something about it uh, really, really didn't action. And, And we see in this familiar story, this young man, David, he had no real business being at the battlefield. Apart from that delivery of food that he had to make to his brothers, who were soldiers. Here David, the shepherd boy, running an errand for his father, recognized something that those soldiers refused to see. There was a cause. What right? What right did a shepherd boy have, someone who was later recognized to be but a youth? What business did he have getting so involved in a fight that held a pronounced stalemate between two warring nations? What made him the unlikely candidate that stepped forward to face the giant. It was David prioritizing the cause. You see, too many Christians are sitting on the sideline with many other competing priorities. Too many who have been called to be part of the army of God are idle, while the the enemy forces boast loudly of their perceived victory. And I want to challenge you today that there is a cause that ought to be a priority to us. And David stood up not for personal advancement, not simply for family pride, not even for national concerns. He stood up because he had a God who was worthy. That's simply the case. He understood that this was a reproach to Israel, to, to, uh, to the nation of Israel, and specifically to, to the God of the nation of Israel. And what was great about David wasn't so much his skill in defeating the giant, but we must admire and seek for in our own lives was that he lived for God's cause. And you know, the reason why so many of us at times sit on the sidelines waiting for others to stand up for the fight is the same reason the soldiers did so in that time. Uh, Their their thoughts weren't on God's name being blasphemed and hurt. It was in their own comfort, in their own preservation. 
And we too are, are too enamored with our own comforts. We too work and labor for our own preservation. And yet, there are noble things that are, are, should be of great priority to us as we think about the cause. And this, this morning, as we think about David and his, 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 uh, his question there, is there not a cause? I want to answer it for you by, by um, asking you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. And here we live in this time. We, we're not a nation, so to speak. We live in a nation, but we're not a nation that is a nation of God. But we are a people of God. Uh, we are the church. We are called to, 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 uh, to follow His purpose. And we are called to do His work. And, and, and what is our cause today? Look at 1 Peter chapter 4. And notice verses 1 to 7. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that suffereth in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of right, speaking evil of you. So he's saying here there's, that you're, you're no longer to live this certain way. Just like following the Gentiles' way. And then he says, He shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. For for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead. And so our cause today, as we begin 2019, as we set some priorities in order, as we spoke about last week, even the, the thought of walking with God and, and getting our intimacy back where it needs to be, our closeness where it ought to be with our Savior there's a priority that we must also now just be reminded about, and it's the cause. And it's the cause of the gospel. Uh, there's been many times where we as a church have spoken about the fact that this endeavor, the church, is not an endeavor of social change per se. It's not an endeavor of charitable works. No, first and foremost, it's an, it's an endeavor to reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's, an, it's a gospel endeavor. And so as we begin the year, uh, let's learn some lessons from David about our cause. About the cause that we have today, because there still is a cause. Because there are still people to be reached. And we get too uh, busied about with other priorities in our lives. And, and regardless of their importance or not, we so often fill our lives with other priorities that we forget to prioritize the cause of Christ. Prioritize the gospel work. Prioritize the, the responsibility that we have to be able to share to others the, the good news of the gospel of Christ. See, the Bible tells us in Philippians 1.27, only let your conversation, that's your manner of life, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Uh, our whole manner of life, the, the, way, the, 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 the way we do things, the reason we, we do this and that, or to speak of and it ought to be an adornment to the gospel message that we as Christians are meant to be pronouncing to a needy world. And, and too often, we forget about the priority of the cause. And I pray that this morning that God impresses upon each and every one of us to prioritize the cause of Christ, the gospel. You know, too many times I know in my own life, and as I was studying through this uh, uh, passage of Scripture, that, that, that phrase, is there not a cause, r rang through my heart. And I understood so many times the, the need for myself to be reminded to keep the cause front and center of what we do, of what I do. And, and so I want to remind you as we begin this year, don't let this grow old in your heart. Uh, may, may it be a, a, a recommitment and a renewal in our own hearts, that we would go forth and be uh, prioritize the, the, the cause of Christ. And let's learn some lessons through David's example in our text about how to prioritize the cause. Let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless our time. Father in heaven, we just want to, Lord, come before you and thank you, dear God, for, Lord, just allowing us to be here this morning. Once again, we just are indebted, Lord, to you for all your goodness and grace through the week. Lord, in, in, 
providing for our needs and, and showing grace to us each day. And Lord, even in this time, the opportunity that we have to be able to open your word. And Father, I pray that we don't ever take that lightly. Uh, that Lord, it doesn't matter who's uh, standing behind this pulpit, that as long as the word of God, your word is, is open and preached to us. I pray, dear Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to then now understand just the priority of, of the, the cause today, of the gospel being spread, Lord, throughout our community, throughout our, our state, our nation, and right through to all the world. Pray that you'd help us, Lord, to learn from David this morning how it is that we ought to prioritize the cause. And Lord, we pray and ask these things in Christ's most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. I want you to turn back to 1 Samuel 17 and, and notice a couple of things with me and a couple of characteristics that we learn from David in regard to prioritizing the cause. And we understand that the cause that we speak about today was, was different to the cause that Dave, David spoke about. The, but the characteristics of David ought to be the thing that we learn about. And so the, the, the first place, notice verses 26 to 27. Notice here he, he arrives in the, at the scene. He, he hears all that's happening, Goliath speaking out against the nation. And here he, he asks some questions. He says in verse 26, And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth the Philistine? So he starts to ask questions. He starts to get, gain, become curious about what was happening and what was the, what was the need of the hour. He started to, to, to listen into uh, what the men were going to say and what, were, what the people were going to, uh, the, their attitude and their spirit at that moment. He started to listen about what was to be done to this Philistine, the, the, the problem at hand. And, and so David took some interest. But then notice verse 29, And David said after his short diatribe with his older brother Eliab, notice his response, And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? You, you, you start to see here that David is starting to develop and really then take some ownership of the need at hand. And here's what I'm trying to say. In the first place, if we're going to prioritize the cause, and in our day, the cause of the gospel, we have to take it personally. We must take it personally. David came to that, uh, to that battlefield and understand that initially, he wasn't part of the, the situation there. This was meant to be an easy come and go for David. But when David saw the need, when David realized that there was a, a cause there, he, he couldn't help himself but take his own self and plug himself into the, 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 into the cause. He took it personally. David didn't look for someone else. He, he didn't look for someone else to be able to fight the, the battle, for he couldn't find anyone else. He, he recognized the cause and the need for one, and that was himself, himself to take a stand. And, and I'm saying this morning in the first place, we need to take it personally. See, the cause, if, if, it, if it's going to be a cause that will be action today, we're going to need to take it personally. The gospel won't be a priority unless you make it personal. And it's just, if it's just someone else's duty, then it will never be a priority to you. Spurgeon said it this way, and what have I said of soul winners? belongs not to the learned doctor of divinity or to the eloquent preacher alone, but to you all who are in Christ Jesus. And this morning, I just want to remind you that it's not just a job for those who, who, who stand here behind the pulpit. It's not for, just for a job with the person who has that position. It's not just a job for those who, who seem to be learned and eloquent in their presentation of it. No, it's a job. For all, each and every one of us, we must take it personally. Take it personally. Take the time to understand that there is a cause, that there is a need, that there are still millions and millions upon people and billions further to that that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Take it personally. And we see this firstly also in, in Jesus' example. You understand that the Lord Jesus took it personally. The Lord Jesus didn't send someone else as God. As God, He came Himself. The Bible tells us in John 10.10, 10, The thief cometh not, but for to kill and to steal and to destroy, I am come. 
that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Notice there he said, I am come. He, he didn't send an angel. He didn't send someone else. No, he took personal responsibility for our salvation. In John 10, 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life of the, for the sheep. And this morning, can I remind you, if you've been saved a little while, can I remind you of the great sacrifice it took the Lord Jesus to buy yours and my salvation. It took His life. He laid down willingly His life for you and I on that cross. And listen, He took it personally. Aren't you glad He took it personally? Aren't you glad that when He looked down at, at, at lost sinners who, who, uh, who were, were who were filthy in his sight, who he looked down and in, in, in pity and in great love, he came himself. He didn't send someone else. And Jesus' example shows us that he took it personally. You see, Jesus took it personally to give us salvation. He, he saw the, the challenge at hand, and that was the, the, the lost state of mankind. And he said, I'll go. And he willingly laid down his life and shed his blood for you and I. Boy, I hope that that, that thought doesn't go old in our hearts. Boy, I hope that, that now that we're saved, that that no longer, uh, that, that, that thing is, is, is something that's still precious in our hearts. And that's not something that we just sort of idly speak about. I hope that you recognize, you recognize the great sacrifice and the great love our Savior had for you and I. I hope that you understand that it took him his life, he took, it, he took it personally. You know, sometimes we have this attitude about the gospel, uh, this attitude that you go. You know, the other night, um, the other night, my wife and I, we went out with a couple of friends. We, we went to an escape room. Anyone done an escape room? A couple of you? Uh, it's, it's a great experience. Uh, but the theme of our, of, our, um, of our escape room was a little creepy. And I was speaking to, uh, to Brother Robert. He was telling me about a previous one. And, and I won't name names. He was telling me about a, another one of our teenage boys um, who was, went with him to another escape room previously. And the whole point of it is you have an hour to break out of a room using your logic and, and you know, finding out puzzles and all that. But sometimes there's things that are, are unknown and can be a surprise. So he was saying that previously he went to an escape room and he was with this fella. And one of the... the the keys that they found in the room unlocked the door. And in that door, there was no light. It, it, when it opened, it was just dark. And, and so they were looking at that, and they knew, they knew they had to go in there, right? They knew that somehow that had to do with how they could get out, how they could escape. There was probably more keys or more, more, uh, more clues in there. And so they knew, but, but you know how it is. It's dark. And, and by the way, this was a bunch of boys, Hey, young men, and they're, they're standing there, and, and you know how it was? It was like, you open the door. No, you open the door. No, you go. And eventually, you know, Brother Robert, probably the only man in the room, um, got up and said, oh, I'll go, and he pushed it open, and then he heard screams. It was the boys behind him, all right? But, um, but sometimes we treat the work of the gospel that way. We know we ought to do it. We know that there's a responsibility there. We know that we should enter that door. We know there's something good behind it. But here we go. No, you do it. No, you go. No, no you, don't, you don't understand. I'm afraid to talk to people. I'm afraid to do this and that. No, you go. No, you go. But aren't you glad when Jesus saw the need... He didn't look around and said, you go. No, he came himself. He took it personally. And, and, and through his earthly ministry, he demonstrated that over and over again. That's why he could say to us, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. You know why? By example, he went first. He took it personally. And then through his earthly ministry, oftentimes he said here in the, in the story of the, the woman of Samaria in John 4.4, 4, he said he, he must needs go through Samaria. And then later on, as the disciples came back and they asked him, have you, have you eaten? Have you had any meat? The, he answers and he says, Jesus saith unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me 
and to finish his work. It was always, always uh, uh, at the forefront of his mind. He took it personally, even in his earthly example. He took it personally. Now, I wonder if we would take it personally. I, I wonder as we think about the challenge and the, the Goliath of our day, so to speak, the, the, the millions and billions of souls, I wonder if we would take Christ's example and, and understand that there's a, we need to take it personally. We see Paul's example. We understand Paul had a special calling. He was called the apostle to the Gentiles. He, to him was given the mystery of the gospel. But you know, Paul three times in scriptures called it my gospel. Not that it was just his. No, you know why? He took it personally. He, he went. He went about and, and spoke to, he, he said, my gospel in Romans 2.16. He said, my gospel in Romans 16.25. He said, my gospel in 2 Timothy 2.8. He said in Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation uh, uh, to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He was not ashamed. He took it personally. He said in 1 Corinthians 9.16, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for, uh, for necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me, if I preach not the gospel. And Paul understood the need to tell others about the gospel. You know why? Because he was a recipient of it. Listen, if you're saved here this morning, you're a recipient of the gospel. You know how someone said it? It's like a beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And listen, don't, don't, don't get so proud now that God's cleaned you up a bit. Now that, he, now that he's, he's guaranteed, your, your, He's secured your future in heaven, that you've forgotten that there was a once upon a time you were a beggar. You know, even as a seven-year-old boy, when my grandmother told me about the the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and my need as a sinner to be saved, even as a seven-year-old boy, I knew I was rotten as rotten could be. I was a sinner in the sight of a holy God. And I had no hope, no leg to stand on. And even as a seven-year-old boy, I understood I needed Christ. And listen, I hope that we haven't left we haven't left that, that understanding that, you know, he, we didn't get saved because we, we were special. We didn't get saved because somehow God needed us. Listen, there was none of us in regard to salvation. We were undesirable and God reached down and saved us. And so Paul's example, he understood why? Because he firstly was a recipient of it. Remember what Paul said about himself? He said he was the chiefest of sinners. He understood that, that, that although he, was, he had some things going for him, that really there was, there was nothing to offer. It was all loss. It was all but dung. And he understood that he was a beggar who just needed to tell another beggar where to, where to find bread. And so we see firstly, if the, the, the cause is going to be prioritized in our lives, well, we need to understand that, firstly, we need to take it personally. Do you take it personally? Or, or do you, are you just happy to look around and, and see someone else do it? See someone else hand out a tract. See someone else take those tracts and spread them around like the gospel seed throughout the week. Are you, are you just happy to, to uh, find someone else to, to share the gospel to your neighbors, to your friends, to your community? Take it personally. Secondly, Secondly, notice this in verse 26. Go back to 1 Samuel. Notice what he says. Notice at the end of it, For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And notice his attitude there. It wasn't just defy us as a people. It's the armies of the living God. It was God's name at stake. Notice later on in verse 45. Uh, now he's facing Goliath. He just come from being with Saul and, and speaking to him about, uh, about taking those things that he knew. And here in verse 45, then said David to the Philistine, 
Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. And notice here what, what, what insight we get to, to David's motivation, to David's purpose for standing up. It wasn't about him. It, it was about God. It was about His cause. It was about His name. And here's what I want to say. Secondly, if we're going to prioritize the cause, not only do we need to take it personally, we need to have a greater motive. You know, we need to answer the why. Why? And here, David's why wasn't because it was convenient. It wasn't because even not only no one else would do it. His why, his motive, his motivation was because the name of God was being defied. It was about the name of God. And David's motive wasn't based on his own achievement. You know, the whole, the whole thing of, of being actively reaching our community, it's not to get runs on the board. Listen, there's, there's, been, uh, there's times where we ought to rejoice, right church? If we have a time here, if someone gets saved, we ought to rejoice about that. And you know, there's times I share that on, on some social media platforms. And here's how some people react to that. Oh, you're just showing off. Listen, it's not about us. I'm just rejoicing because uh, in, the, in the midst of the angels, there's joy. You know who's, who's rejoicing? Not the angels. It's God. One sinner, another sinner's repented and he's now coming home. Listen, it's about God. It's about Him. The, the reason we obey the Great Commission isn't simply to, to tick a box. It's not simply to say, I have the badge, soul winner. Listen, it's to do the work for him, but it is for him. It's for him. And, and David's motive wasn't based on his own achievement. It, it wasn't to have a running tally to see how many you led that year. Listen, it was solely based on God's glory and God's glory alone being upheld. Because God's glory was being tarnished by the enemy. See, that was David's motive. And and notice a couple of things here. Notice God's motive. We see God's motive of love. Why was it? Why, why did He take it personally? Why did God Himself make the cause a priority that He came from the, from the comforts of heaven through to this sin-forsaken world? Because He had a motive of love. We know the verse, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God so loved the world. Boy, aren't you glad He did that? I'm, I'm sure glad this morning. I'm sure glad that I was a recipient of His love, that He, he sent His Son to die in my stead. I'm so glad in Romans 5.8, God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm so glad. I'm so glad I didn't have to earn my way. I'm so glad I didn't have to step, uh, take a thousand steps up to a church uh, courtyard. I'm so glad I didn't have to say uh, a, a thousand prayers. I'm so glad that it wasn't any of that. It was because Christ loved me so much that He willingly, grace was offered and I partook. That's it. It was His love. God's motive of love. And I wonder... As we look around, are we like Jesus who, as He looked, the people who were scattered about without a shepherd and He was moved with compassion. To the point where He groaned. You know, sometimes we can mistreat our fellow man so badly. We judge them and we look at the, oh, look at how they're living. Hey, listen. But for the grace of God. You know, you might, you might go tomorrow and you might have a commute and you're going to have an annoying person to sit next to. They, they may not even smell very nice. They may even have a filthy mouth. But you know, that person, God loved and God loves. And, and you know, sometimes, and I do this, 
sometimes I get annoyed at my fellow man. <laughs> I get annoyed at the attitudes and, the, and I'm reminded, you're, you're no better. No good dwelleth in you. It's just the grace of God. And the motive of love, I wonder if we would love. But, but also the motive of God's desire for worshipers. You understand that God is deserving of more and more worshipers to ascribe glory and honor to Him. And, and He said it in, in that story of the woman in, at the well. He said, The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in, in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. Listen, this morning we gathered to worship. We're going to be edified, I believe, as we consider the, the Word of God. But here we are to worship. But you know what? God's seeking worshipers. He's seeking those who will one day be part of the throng in heaven. The great multitude of different tribes and tongues ascribing glory and honor to the Holy Lamb. Wouldn't that be a day? That will be a day. Hey, listen, if, you're, if you're, your voice is crooked, it won't be crooked that day. You can sing. That day you're going to sing out and sing praises to God, and I just can't wait. I can't wait. I wonder who the choir director will be. Maybe David. And you can imagine all those that have been saved by the blood of the Lamb. Your brethren worshiping, falling before a holy God. That's going to be you and I if you're saved. And God seeketh such to worship. And don't you think God deserves a multitude? Don't, don't you think God deserves the whole of mankind coming before Him worshiping Him? Don't you think that? And so God's desire for worshipers, that's a motive. But then also in 2 Corinthians 5.11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And listen, God's terror to the lost. I don't know if you ever remember, maybe for those of you like me who were saved young, you, you never really understood what kind of judgment you were under prior to salvation. But maybe as you've grown older, as I have, as I read through the Bible and I've gotten to know who God is, there's a, there's a great fear of God. Why? Because we understand that He's the ultimate judge. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. That's the cause. That's the motive. You understand, you, you, would, you, you'd, you fear and tremble to, to stand before a human judge. How much more the judge of all judges, the ultimate judge. And he'll stand there. And you'll stand there before him. And if you're unsaved, the great terror that is facing you, you know, I'm glad the Bible says there's no more condemnation in Christ Jesus. But if we have any heart, listen, we don't want anyone else to be under condemnation. We would desire, we would do all we can. And he had a greater motive. He understood it was about God. In Hebrews 9.27, the Bible tells us that he's appointed unto men once to die and after it's the judgment. He says in 1 Thessalonians 2.9, For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. And Paul, so many times he, he weeped and he stayed through the night trying to persuade men. You know why? He knew the terror of the Lord. He knew. And listen, I wonder. I wonder if we think about that. You know, sometimes the things that are most sobering are the things that we ignore in the Bible. The things of judgment, the things of the, the reality of hell. Will there be weeping and gnashing of teeth where there's going to be an eternal fire that will burn, uh, burn flesh, that, that will, will be a place of torment, a place of darkness? We don't, we don't like to think about those things. We like the, the other things of the Bible when perhaps... Perhaps this morning it would be a good reminder of the terror of the Lord. And so he had a greater motive. Thirdly, he went humbly and courageously. Notice how David referred to himself in verse 32. He says, thy servant will go. 
later on as he spoke to Saul, thy servant, he called himself. But, but this, this humility, this servitude, this servitude allowed him to be courageous. And so he was, he was humble and courageous. And today, if we're going to make the cause a, a priority, we need to go humbly and courageously. David came with an attitude of hum- humility and courage. And, and while the others were feared and were proud, and look at, look at the, the dialogue he had with his older brother Eliab. Look at the accusations pointed at him. Look at those things that, that Eliab was, was saying about David that weren't true. He didn't come there out of his own pride. Uh, Pride? He came there because he was told to. He came there because he, he humbly submitted himself and obeyed. And, and so it takes, it takes humility firstly to prioritize the gospel. And Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 2.4, My speech and my preachings was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And what I'm saying is the gospel message doesn't have to come in, a, in an eloquent package. You don't have to know exactly the words and exactly the place to, to turn to. You just need to come humbly to be used of God. It, it, it's, it's not our persuasiveness that saves people. It's the gospel itself. It is the power of God. You're not the power of God. It's the power of God. We looked at that quick video last week of Edward Kimball, who was a Sunday school teacher who trembling and almost apologetically goes into a shoe store to look for one Dwight L. Moody, who was a, just a Sunday school boy. He wasn't, a, he wasn't a, an evangelist preacher yet. No, he was just a little boy. He was just a boy working in that shoe store, working in the back as a clerk. And there he was, Edward Kimball, stuttering and stammering, gave the gospel to D.L. Moody, and D.L. Moody got saved. He got caught on fire for God, and he changed two continents. With the gospel. You know why? Because one humble man, with no eloquence, maybe minimal training, went in. Speaking of Moody, uh, there was a story of him where a man in one of Moody's meetings once testified that he had lived on the Mount of Transfiguration for five years. Uh, Moody asked, how many souls did you lead to Christ last year? Well, the man hesitated, I don't know. Uh, Have you saved any? Have you witnessed to anyone? Moody persisted. I don't know that I have at all. The the man admitted, well, said Moody, we don't want that kind of mountaintop experience. When a man gets up so high that he cannot reach down and save poor sinners, there is something wrong. And you know, sometimes, again, in in our pride, because God's cleaned us up and changed us, we look at the, the people that we're around, and we have no compassion. You know what that is? It's pride. When we look at someone who's unsaved and judge them for their sin that they can't help do, that's just pride. And it takes humility. It takes some humbleness to be able to share the gospel with someone. Um, just the other day, we were with the young people, and um, they, they all were... Wearing capes, we were shooting a video for the youth camp, and so we were enjoying our time. And it was lunchtime, and we went down to um, to the corner store, the Sunrising. It's a, a favorite spot of ours, and so we went over there. We sat in there. We were all ordering food, and I was sitting there, and and there was not much room because we had crowded the place, and there was a man sitting across from me. His name's Stuart, and you know um, he wouldn't be the type of person that you would just normally. He, he didn't seem to look the part who would be interested in anything that is uh, remotely around Christianity and church. But, um, but Brother EJ, he needed to take uh, food back to his family. And so he said, hey, Pastor, I'm just going to go. I need to drop off. I need to go and give, give this food over to my family. And so he heard that, and he, he called me out. He said, oh, Pastor. And I said, oh, yes. And he, he goes, oh, my name's, and he introduced himself, Stuart. I just live around, I, I couldn't help but overhear that you have a church somewhere. And so right there, we started to talk a little bit about church, but then start to talk about the gospel. And I'm still praying for Stuart to come. He, he said he would come. He, he said he needed, he knew he needed Christ. <laughs> but right there, but you know, he was telling me, he, here's, here's what he said. He said, um, do you guys accept 
uh, recovering addicts. Do you guys accept? Uh, and I said, yes. Because <laughs> he said, there's a church down the road. And they said, I, I can't be there because I'm this type of person. And listen, you know, some of us were thinking, well, yeah, Pastor, well, maybe we should think about that. Hey, listen, God can change anyone. And we need to, we need to adorn with our spirit and our, our humility. Just like Christ who dined with sinners and publicans. We, we, need to, we need to just be open and ready for the gospel. And, and in humility. But then also prioritizing the gospel takes courage. In Acts 4.13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. You understand that there was, there was just a, something amazing about Peter and John, that they marveled at them. Why? Because of their boldness. They had courage. And, and what I'm saying is, is this courage comes from a surrender to the cause and a fellowship with the Savior. You know, courage isn't a personality. It could be a trait. But courage comes from a surrender to the cause and a fellowship with the Savior. See, God gave us the promise of power when we go, didn't He? When He said, go ye into all the world, He said, and all power shall be given you. He's promised to take care of us when we go, and we need to be the kind of people with courage based on His power and not our own. And so David went in God's power, and we need to go with humility and courage. And then lastly, really quickly, look at 1 Samuel chapter 17. And we'll read here from verse 34. So now he's, Saul hears about David. David had just come from playing the harp in, in Saul's um, courtyard there in, in his throne room. And, and we, we know that story, and now he's come back. He'd had some errands for his dad. Now he, he's given him another errand to go to the battlefield. And so David was somewhat familiar to Saul. And so he hears about this boy who was talking about the course, who was talking about the need for someone to go. And, and so he gets hailed to, to, David, uh, to Saul's tent. And notice what he says here. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion. He, this was a response from Saul's question. You're, aren't you just a youth? And he's saying, look, here's what I, I know. There came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. Boy, courage. It says, David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me. Out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put uh, a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. So this was a normal garb of one going to the battle. And David, uh, notice this, girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. He said, I, I can't use this. This isn't me. And then he says, um, David said unto Saul, um, he can't go. And then he notices, and he took his staff in his hand. He was a shepherd, wasn't he? These were the tools of, that he normally already had and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a script. And his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. You know what? David used what he knew. David used what he knew. David didn't know the armor. He hadn't proved it. It wasn't his. It just wasn't him. It didn't fit him. Uh, later on, we know that, that war, David becomes a mighty warrior. He no doubt would have wore armor then. But at this point in his life, he only could use what he had. He already knew how to use because of his encounters with the, the lion and the bear and all of that. He already knew to use those shepherd's things because that was really... Those tools were really his tools day to day. And, and he used what he knew. And, and if we're going to prioritize the cause, you know, God's simply saying, be you. Use what you have. 
David relayed what he had previously experienced and what he knew to do. And David had a way that was different to Saul's. And what I'm saying, we all have the ability to share the gospel, correct? But we all have a different ability to do so. And, and you know, many times we, we like to focus on a method. But it's actually about the message going out. And it's not how we share it, so that we share it that counts. Another story about Moody, a man came to him and criticized him for the way he went about winning souls. And Moody listened courteously and then asked, how, how would you do it? And the man, taken aback, mumbled and that he did it, didn't do it. And well, said Moody, I prefer the way I do it to the way that you don't do it. <laughs> and many times, many times we look at, we, we look at how others perhaps they're they're, they're gifted, and maybe they're, they're well-trained in the way they share the gospel. And, and here's what we do. We just defer. And yet God's saying, no, 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 I've given you. You have the gospel. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. You have people that you can reach that others won't, and others can't. There, there's some ways. And, you know, all of us here were built differently. And what I'm saying is many times we don't prioritize the gospel because we aren't like someone else. Well, I think, well, I'm not like, you know, I'm not like Pastor EJ. And I really am not. He, there's, just, there's things that, that he does as far as the gospel that he's just very good at, that he's excellent at. Whereas I have a different, it's the same message, but I have different opportunities. I, 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 I'm strong in different areas. There's things that, that he's able to do that I'm unable to do, but there's things I'm able to do that he's unable to do. There's just, we have to be us. And David showed us that he, he understood the cause, but he wasn't going to do it just in some sort of mold. He knew that God was going to use him and who he is. And here's some ways we can, we can prioritize just by being us. Here's the first way. Share your testimony. Share your testimony. You know, I, I've never met anyone who couldn't talk about themselves. True? Don't, don't, come on. True? Come on, admit it. If, if, if we talk long enough, we start talking about ourselves. Well, how about talk about when you got saved? How about talk about what God did for you? You know, the woman at the well, she didn't undertake a soul-winning course before she went out to the city. All she did was this. All she said was, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? You know what she did? She shared her testimony. That's it. Here's what I want to say. Secondly, take, your op take every opportunity. And, and, and maybe... Maybe you want to go out and, and during the organized times that we do, go out door knocking. Go with someone that's more experienced if you're not used to that, but you'd, you're interested. Take some tracks. Those, every track is an opportunity for the gospel. Um, Spurgeon said this, I look upon the giving away of a religious tract as only the first step for action not to be compared with many another deed done for Christ. But were it not for the first step, we might never reach to the second. But the first attained, we are encouraged to take another, and so at the last. There is a real service of Christ in the distribution of the gospel in its printed form. A service the result of which heaven alone shall disclose and the judgment day alone discover. How many thousands have been carried to heaven instrumentally upon the wings of these tracks? None can tell. And you know what? There's been testimonies upon testimonies here in this place where, where someone received a tract in their letterbox. And they, there it was either an invitation and with the gospel at the back, but they were confronted with the truth of the gospel. We live in that day. So, so tracks, uh, you, could, you could hand them out. You could give them to the, the, the cashier at, at Coles, at Woolworths, at, at Aldi. And you could do all of that. You could go around your neighborhood and speak to your neighbors. And if you're timid, uh, too timid to speak to them directly, maybe just say, hi, can I give this to you to read? And then the next time, maybe strike a conversation and say, hey, did you, were you able to read that at all? And just so forth and so forth. And, 
Maybe even uh, many of you are on social media, regardless of what you think of it, it's there. So you may as well use it for good. Correct? Just use it. What's the matter with us when we, all we do is post those, those glamorous things about our lives and we never talk about the truth of who we are in Christ Jesus? Special days and services, and, and I know that, I think anyway, we have a, a somewhat a strength in that. Invite people and give them the opportunity to hear on those special days, services. We spoke about one for next week. It's I Love Australia Sunday. It's a holiday the next day. Just as a reminder, it's a public holiday the next day. But they might come. They might come. They might go, oh, you're going to have a sausage sizzle? Great, I'm in. And they might come and they might get saved. Um, How about hospitality, using your house for the gospel? How about visitation, maybe visiting a friend of of someone else, maybe a new convert? Missions, that's why we support missions and that's why we preach missions. How about supporting those missionaries on the field? How about going yourself, going on a short-term mission trip to share the gospel? How about on your commute? How about at the shops, at your workplace, at your school? What I'm saying is take every opportunity. And then maybe along the way, sharpen your skills. Maybe enroll, maybe memorize some verses. Maybe mark some verses through the Romans road. and First uh, Peter 3.15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And we note about David that he didn't face a giant straight away. He faced a lion and a bear. But you know, here's what David was. He was prepared. And, and he's saying there, be ready. Are you prepared? Maybe sharpen your skills. Maybe it's been a while. Maybe you've got a soul winner's uh, New Testament that you carry around. You used to anyway. And now you've found it again. You've dusted it off. And maybe it's time to look back at those references and those marks that you made. Maybe it's time for you to sit with someone. And here's what I say. For those of you who are in regular uh, regular regularly going soul winning. Listen, sharpen someone else's skill. Bring someone with you. Here's what I encourage our youth workers when they're dealing with a young person in regard to the gospel. My policy, it's safe as well. Have another person there. But the practicality of that is this. While that youth worker is working with that young person, whoever it is, is listening and learning. It's sharpening. And so for those of you who are in regular doing that, do it with your family, show, show your kids, go with your wife, uh, you men, and, and just sharpen your skills, all right? Uh, enroll maybe in, in some things that we, we're going to have throughout the year in regard to just uh, soul winning clinics and that. But in being yourself to prioritize the gospel, here's what I'm simply saying, get involved. Get involved. Don't, don't just sit there. God's given us every opportunity. He's given us this time. We're we're still living in a nation. Listen, don't take this for granted. Where it's still free to share the gospel. You you can go to work and at lunch you can converse. Can't you? At school, you young people, you, you get into this year, live for the gospel. I dare you. I dare some of you to take tracks to school. I dare you. And see what happens. All right, just, just take it out there and get involved. And he, David, he just used what he knew. No, no one's asking to, you to just not be you. If it was tracks, great. If you could go knocking on doors, great. If you, if you want to street, preach on a street corner, great. If you want to just, just be faithful in, in, in bringing friends and then giving the opportunity to talk to them on the day. You're more comfortable in a church environment like this. Great. If you want to just have your neighbors over for a meal, introduce yourself, show some hospitality, and share the gospel, great. Here's what I'm saying. Get involved. Use what you have. Do what you can. And then at those times, like Jack Kyle said, sometimes we go soul winning all the time sometimes, and sometimes all the time. So sometimes we have just uh, scheduled times, and, and I'd encourage you to come along. 
But listen, it needs to be a priority. And David prioritized the cause. Others watched idly by. And will we watch idly by each day as the battle for souls rages? Will we give priority each day to take, take each opportunity we have in whatever we can? Spurgeon said this, to be a soul winner is the happiest thing in the world. And with every soul you bring to Jesus Christ, you seem to get a new heaven here upon earth. And the question that David asked is this, is there not a cause? Why, yes, David, there is. It's the cause of Christ. And may we renew our passion for the glorious message of the gospel and prioritize it in our everyday. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you and thank you, dear God, for just the opportunity we have, Lord, just to be able to open your word and, and glean some, some principles that would help us, Lord, in our day. And Father, I know, Lord, that we're all at different, different points of our journey. Maybe we're in a low season, maybe we're in a high season. But the reality is, Lord, we have a responsibility regardless. And Lord, part of the, the makeup of who we are, how you made us, is, Lord, to be vessels for you. Lord, that's sanctified and meet for the Master's use. And Lord, you've given us a great cause. It's a, it's a hopeful cause. It's an urgent cause, the cause of the gospel. And so I pray that as we head into our year, that, Lord, we, we'd be the individuals, we'd be the kind of church that would just go out and, and just in, in, in whatever way we can be a witness for you, Lord, in every place. Uh, Lord, to, through people that we meet through the day. Lord, I pray that you'd help us this, e this, e uh, this morning. And, uh, Lord, I ask that you'd please be with us as we have a time of invitation. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. And the piano can begin to play. We've spoken much of the gospel. And I wonder if you're here this morning. And I wonder if I, if I were to ask you this question, if you were to die today, would you know for sure that your sins are forgiven, that heaven's your home? The Bible tells us that these things, the things of the Bible are written that you may know that you have eternal life. We mentioned earlier that, that God commendeth his love towards you and that while you are sinners, Christ died for you. And I, I want to invite you this morning just with an uplifted hand. And I simply want to pray for you. So pastor, just with an uplifted hand, I'm not sure. I wouldn't know for sure. If I were to die today, I wouldn't know for sure if my sins are forgiven, if heaven's my home. Is there anyone here this morning just with an uplifted hand, just say, pastor, just pray for me. I'm not sure, but I'd like to know. Anyone this morning, just with an uplifted hand. Anyone this morning? Pastor, I'd like to know. Anyone here? Then I want to ask you, Christian, how's your priority regarding the cause? When was the last time you handed that out a track or you spoke to someone about the gospel? And remember, our motive isn't guilt. Our motive is love. Our motive is God's desire for worshipers, and, and our motive is because the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. So anyone here, just say, Pastor, just pray for me. I, I want to be used of God this year to share the gospel. I want to be used this year. Just, just with an uplifted hand, just say, Pastor, just pray for me. I want to be used. I want to be used. Pastor, I want to be used to be to share the gospel this year. See many hands. You can put them down. Anyone hear this? Just say, Pastor, I'm not sure how to. And, and maybe the first thing I want to do this year is just learn how. Is there anyone here? Just say, Pastor, I don't know how to, and I'd like to learn how. I'll pray for you. Anyone else? I see a few hands. Anyone else? Pastor, I'm not sure. Then if you know, I wonder if you do. If you know how to do it, I wonder if you do. And so let's all stand to our feet as the piano is playing. No one looking around. I want to invite you, if you raise your hand, if you raise your hand, why don't you commit yourself to the Lord this morning as the piano plays and 
when you come to this altar, and, and maybe if you're a regular soul winner, maybe you're in regular, uh, regularly doing that, why don't you come and just pray? Pray that we would have a revival in that this morning. That God would raise up more that would just actively, actively prioritize the cause. And so the piano is playing. Why don't you come as the, the piano plays?